mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here. And yeah, I know, it's been a while, but we're back with another episode of the podcast. I'm about to ring up Sean P. on the old telephone here, and we've got a lot of tech, so let's talk about it. Mr. Spring. Hello, Mr. Plunkett. How are you this fine evening? I'm I'm good. I was uh, I don't know reading just reading phone news all day. It's like Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been uh, there's been a ton of tech, especially over the last couple of days. So um, before we dive in, do you want to talk about all of the stuff that Samsung announced first, or do you want to talk about the stuff that we got today from MWC? Well, I am a Samsung homer, and they were the first ones to announce, so can, sure, let's start with them. Can, can confirm, and sounds good. So <laughs> roughly in chronological order, we have the Galaxy Fold, and then the slew, or was it two slews? of S10 devices. So we have the S10e, the S10, the S10 Plus, and the S10 5G, which may or may not ever see the light of day. And uh, then we had a couple of, what are, they had their wearable, right? The, the uh, couple of wearables, the fitness watch and something else. Yeah, they had the new like Fit, whatever they call that. And then, yeah, their new like uh, more affordable watch, I guess. Got it. Do we do we even care about any of that, or we just want to talk about the phones? No, no, no. I think we just talk about the phones. All right, sounds good. So um, I know, know for a fact that you're dying to spend two thousand dollars on the Galaxy Fold. So tell me why. I mean, legitimately, if my wife wouldn't divorce me, I probably would, in fact, do that. Um, I would say the why is because. Phones have looked basically the same now for, I don't know, the better part of a decade. Uh, it was really getting to a boring point the last couple of years where we were, you know, just arguing over the size of, like, the notch because they all look identical. Uh, and this is something that's completely freaking different. And, you know, look, it's a folding freaking tablet phone. I mean, it's like Westworld or a Minority Report or something. It, it, it looks like something that was in science fiction that you can now buy in April. And that's pretty bonkers, right? If Westworld and Minority Report were sponsored by Samsung, then yes. And uh, full disclosure, I just uh, I was over at Droid Life, and big shout to Droid Life. They have the um, it's like four and a half or four minutes twenty five seconds uh, of the promo video of the um, Galaxy Fold and its many uses. It was it was actually kind of weird because it's there's no soundtrack. It's like oddly silent. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's awesome. It, I I have to admit, I was I was pretty impressed in looking at this video. They did spend far too long showing me the outside of the casing of the device, and not enough time of basically just it being in production and and being used. But the bit that they did use it for, I was like, eh, I guess I can kind of see the functionality there. Uh, although I'm not going to run screaming to my store to spend $1,980 on it either. But um, I think in some ways you're right. I mean, this we, we knew that the notches were kind of, you know, just an evolutionary step in the smartphone chain and that the next thing would be, you know, 
kind of some stuff that Samsung's done with the S10. So you've got the underglass fingerprint sensor, which has been done before, but this technology that they're using is, is much more advanced, it's much more reliable, and it's supposedly um, quite a bit faster. I saw some of the early tests, and it, it is faster than, say, like the 6T that I'm using right now, but not a ton faster. Um, but still, you know, no uh, no capacitive button. It's just you put your finger on the screen and off you go. Um, they're incorporating now the, fold, the fold doesn't have that. You realize that, yeah? No, I know it. It has the capacitive. It has, uh, it has the button on the button side. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. kind of like the S10e. But but I mean to say only that they you know they're doing some interesting stuff from a technological and innovation standpoint. And the Galaxy Fold is kind of the natural result of that. Like they're like, okay, hey, we got some of this cool stuff. We're gonna put it in the S10 series. Oh, and by the way, uh, let me just let me just pop this out right here. We've got a folding smartphone. Yeah. So look, there's been a lot of articles since it's come out, Droid Life included, of this is a bad phone and you shouldn't buy it. And and look, it's very first generation in a lot of ways. You can see it. The front screen's small. It's not full screen. Um, the inside has a rather large notch in the upper right hand corner. Um, it's 17 millimeters thick, which by modern smartphone standards is like thick. Um, That's thick with two C's, yes. Thick with two C's. And uh, there was some evidence that when they were on the stage showing it that the screen, you could kind of see the seam in bright light. So there's some thought that it may not fold out completely flat where you can't see the seam when you have it open. So there's a litany of reasons why a lot of people have come out rightfully so and said this is a tech show it's not something that you should buy but I, I do have to say for the first product of this nature that's going to be commercially uh, released it looks pretty great I mean it looks polished uh, it has just the craziest specs ever I mean I do think of Samsung credit again just going like I guess screw it we're just going to throw every spec at it we can and it's going to have SA55 or the Exynos 9820 12 gigabytes of RAM uh, it has 512 gigabytes of UFS 3.0, which makes it the first uh, UFS 3.0 phone I believe released. Um, six cameras. Uh, you know, it, it has the folding screen, obviously. So there's there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't buy this. The $1,980 price tag being just one of them. But again, I think if you said what's the, we were talking about this when we saw it. I mean, if if you said name the five phones that you've seen in the last decade even they really stood out at the time and you went wow that's really something completely new or unique or a step forward i think this belongs on the list i would say like the first Xiaomi mix i think we were talking about uh, i thought the 1m7 was up there somewhere the one m7 and then the samsung galaxy edge even though it was kind of weird it was also that same thing of it's something totally novel where the you know the screen curves yeah, There's I think we, many of those in yeah, history. The Vivo Apex, I think, with the, the pop-up selfie yeah. camera, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it's not too often that this happens. And again, I'm not advocating people go out and buy this phone, but I think it's an absolute like marvel of technology. It really pushes the envelope. The specs are on point for your spec guy. And it's just really, really interesting. I would love to have one. I, I don't I said I, I want to stay married, so I don't think that's going to happen. But at a minimum, it sounds like T-Mobile and AT&T are going to carry them, so I'm really hopeful they're out the hop in store so I can go check them out when the time comes. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really cool, and I found myself just watching it. I watched that video you were discussing twice today and uh, watched the introduction video a couple of times. And it's, it's something totally new. So, um, 
really, really cool. In the interest of full disclosure, I also told my wife about it. I said, hey, Samsung announced this really cool folding phone that unfolds from, what is it, like a 4.7-inch uh, exterior display and the interior 7.3-inch, right? Yeah, 4.6 and 7.3, I believe, yeah. And it's got a, uh, it's got a built-in um, Chrome tab on the inside in the upper right-hand corner. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, sure no, does. sorry. That's where the cameras are. My bad. Um, but I told I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, they've got this cool phone, 7.3 inches, and it costs $1,980. And she looked me square in the eye. I was sitting at the kitchen table, and she's at, she's at the sink doing dishes. She turned and looked me square in the eye and said, we are not buying a new smartphone. And I said, oh, no, I, I meant only to tell you this. It's interesting because I think Sean's going to buy it. And um, she just like did something between like an eye roll and a snort and then just turned back and started washing dishes again. So um, but I think, I, think the right <laughs> I think your wife would totally be in support of you acquiring this marvel of modern technology. I think do you do you would you agree that. The reason that this device exists is not necessarily because Samsung wanted to show what they could do from a technological standpoint, because then it's basically just what's the what's the head of Samsung's name? Again, I, I can't forget. Who, right? Is it Ku? Yeah, that might be right. Um, other than other than other than that, it's basically just Ku's. You know, DJ Co. I think is what it is, right? Co. Maybe DJ oh, Co.'s. So. It's a it's a one thousand nine hundred eighty dollar DJ Co. Vanity project, or do you think it is something where the idea of having a big screen device that you can kind of fold down into a smaller form factor and then take with you mobily? Do you think that is maybe the the future of mobile computing? Is that the direction that we're heading, or is it is it something else entirely? No, I, I think that's absolutely the direction we're heading. I mean, we when you look at something like the you know, iPad Pro with the A12X in it, it's powerful enough to take over from being your laptop, except for it's kind of saddened by being on iOS. I think even most modern Android processors, the S&P 5, the X9820 amongst them, same thing. They're powerful enough to take over probably 99% of the functionality of your laptop. So yeah, I think there will be a day where we'll see Probably trifold devices. I've seen a couple patents on this, where yeah, you'll, you'll probably you know it'll be smartphone size in your hand, and you'll unfold it out. No, probably nine point seven inches or something like that, like tablet size, and the power will be there. So literally, you can take the place of your smartphone slash tablet slash probably some laptop functionality to some degree. And I think that probably is the future where things are headed. It's kind of weird though. It'll probably be. It's probably foolish to say this because you never know the future's going to hold, but I think there will always be a market for more normal smartphones so that the more normal, you know, form factor that we've had all these years where it's the glass front and what have you, it's rigid uh, because that'll be less expensive. So, you know, what will probably start to happen is the ones will start to get less expensive. Those will start taking up the super premium prices between 1000 and 1500 or something like that. And then smartphones will maybe start to push down a little bit, the more normal smartphones, so to speak the ones that don't unfold, um, those will probably start to trickle down and maybe be, I don't know, maybe less expensive as they become less popular and seen as more uh, normal instead of premium. So, yeah, I think the market will push that direction. But you never know. I mean, people, if this technology is bad or people just aren't into it or it just is so prohibitively expensive that it never catches on and you may look back at this conversation and years from now and laugh, 
and go how foolish we were to think that this was going to be the next big thing. There, there is the possibility that that happens. But I don't think that's high. This seems like the next... We've seen gimmicky stuff in the past. To me, this doesn't seem to fall into that because I think the utility of having a device that unfolds that can act as both a tablet and a smartphone is something that a lot of consumers would like to have. Well, and I think what you've talked about is kind of the, like, not only the social status, but the economic divide. So, like, basically, that used to be the status symbol was, oh, well, I have I have the iPhone XS Max because I can afford a $1,500 phone. Now it's going to be, oh, you, you don't have a phone that unfolds? Oh, you must be a peasant. What's wrong with you? Like, that's... Is that the direction we're headed where like super premium folding phones are going to be in the hands of the cognoscenti and only the plebes like us will be able will be stuck with candy bar phones that can't do anything but make phone calls and send text messages? Yeah, because make no mistake, if you I think when that phone first comes out, if you were out somewhere at a restaurant or something and you unfolded it and it was someone that didn't know that that existed, which was the broad side people. I think it would look fake, or they would be really confused as to what you just did. Um, <laughs> Wait so a minute, are we on a movie set right now? What the hell's going yeah. on here? <laughs> so think about that. I mean, there hasn't been a phone like that that I can think of in quite a long time. And yeah, as I said, well, it remains to be seen. It definitely has to drop price. There's no way. So we've seen two of them with prices that have actually been released, and the 1980 for all the jokes is the cheaper of the two. The other one is $2,600. Yeah, I'm that's sure unreal. I'm sure we that on the nice pot. So yeah. I mean, when you're talking about those prices, that's insane. Someone put together a list of what you could buy for $1,980, and it was like MacBook Pro, OnePlus 16, uh, you know, really nice earbuds, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on. So you can buy a lot of nice things, but, I mean, none of the worst calls are full in front of them. It's funny that you say that because in my mind I'm thinking again, you know, the guy Joe John Q. Public sitting at a, a a cafe, you know, restaurant somewhere, and he just happens to look up and and the guy sitting next to him, you know, pulls one of these things out of his jacket pocket and he unfolds it and he starts having like a video conference on it or something. Like I'm not kidding you, it almost looks like something from The Expanse, where you've got like this, you know, little little like kind of placeholder and you touch it and like a holographic display pops out of it and you can do, you know, a ton of crap with it. And in the video I'm referencing on droid life, there were some real nice real world use cases. So like, Hey, it turns into, you know, Google maps and Hey Sadie. Um, exactly. Um, it, you know, the Google maps where you're seeing a, a much larger, um, and, and scalable map of a city maybe that you've never been to and you want to navigate yourself around, or you've got that video conferencing thing where he's talking to the guy in the video is talking to some gal and you can both see each other reasonably well. It's almost like FaceTime when you're doing it on an iPad because that's basically what we're talking about. I mean, basically you take a, a phone that unfolds into a seven inch Android tablet is basically what this thing is. And, um, you know, it would cost you, <laughs> what does the Galaxy Tab A5 run these days? Like seven or 800 bucks? Uh, if, if you get a Tab S4, it's like, I think 650 is what you get. Okay, yeah. So basically for the price of three uh, Samsung Android tablets, you can have one that folds down and fits in your pocket. That's it's simultaneously very awesome and unfrickin' believably expensive. Which I'm not sure what's going to win out there. But what's the over under on how many of these Galaxy Fold devices they sell? I'm going to well, I think they're not going to produce that many of. Them. I think the I think the initial runs going to be something like a hundred thousand or something. So we're not talking about 
some super mass produced device. It's not selling, you know, tens of millions of units like other things. It's, it's much narrower in scope, but I'll tell you what, right now, I will tell you right now, if they sell a hundred thousand of things, a hundred thousand of these galaxy fold devices at two grand each, I will, I will take a dump in a paper bag and I will drive it to DJ Ko's house and I will set it on fire and ding dong ditch him. (laughs) I swear to God. We'll see, though. I mean, like, as I said, if T-Mobile offered some great incentive on a uh, trade-in or something, I might still consider it, in all honesty. I mean... I heard. I heard. They're going to do They're gonna do 36-month financing on it. Nah, I don't want to finance out to oblivion. I'm hoping it can be just some, <laughs> some really nice trading value for my Galaxy Note 8 or something. But, yeah, look, I agree with you. All of these arguments are completely valid. The things that Droid Life are saying about it, the, all the negative things that people have said about it, the price, all of that is absolutely true. Um, but it's also incredible, and we pick on companies a lot for not showing innovation and, and not doing new things. I picked on Samsung a lot for this last year. Um, certainly can't say that here. And I would say for a, a version 1.0 of a completely new product segment, it looks to be a pretty refined product. I, it's not perfect. It has all the issues we've outlined, but they obviously spent a lot of time and effort to make it look polished. It looks nice. The hinge technology, all of the things that they outlined during the presentation, again for a 1.0 product, looks looks pretty good. So I tell you, that looks a hell of a lot better than the flex or the Royale Flex Pie. Is that what that other one was? Yeah, God, cow pie. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's a, I don't know what that thing is, but it's terrible. So. <laughs> Royale Royale cow pie. That's what we'll call yeah. it from now. On. No, no regrets. I'm gonna let that one sit there. Um, <laughs> I'm not editing that out. Yeah, I think you leave it. So do we want to dig into the, the mass market flagship, so to speak? Actually, I was just going to say, that's a great transition. So speaking of um, not really uh, innovating and pushing anything forward, how do you feel about the S10 lines? Do you think they're more iterative? I'm going to exclude the 5G because 5G doesn't exist yet, and it's not going to be good for 18 months. So, so do you? what do you think about the S10? Do, they think, do you think it's really uh, – is it the – is it iterative or is it evolution? Um, no, I, I'm going to give them a lot more credit than I give them So I think the S10 line as a whole is a very, very strong product line. Last year, the S9 was kind of boring and they stood pat in a number of areas. They pushed design. They didn't really push anything. Hey, they uh, moved so the, the fingerprint the, sensor, man. Yeah, the camera was a little was interesting with the dual aperture, but no, I, I like everything about the S10 product line. Um, I think that the S10e makes a ton of sense. You basically get you know, flagship everything. There's slight sacrifices. The screen's flat, which somebody can argue is not a sacrifice. It has slightly larger bezels, but it um, and a slightly lower resolution. But the screen, from all accounts, looks great. Uh, you don't get the underscreen fingerprint scanner. The fingerprint scanner is the button, but otherwise, you get the same top of the line processors. You get you know tons of RAM, 60 gig of RAM, 128 gigs and up of storage and they kept it's a dual camera instead of the triple in the, in the big brothers but they kept the ultra wide angle and the normal which are the two that i would have wanted and at a 750 dollar price point i think the s10e is a hell of a phone and even if you look at that even versus the one plus 6t i think you could make arguments in either camp um but at 750 dollars it's a pretty good value proposition i like the new colors i think not all of them are perfect but they at least tried to do something a little more interesting, and a lot of people said in person they look even cooler than they do on camera. They have kind of like a cool print effect. And they kept all the important stuff. They kept the SD card slot. It still has a headphone jack. 
Uh, it said 128 gigabytes of base storage. You got ample storage, great cameras, great screen, flat. It's small. The S10 is small. I mean, it's as small as a Galaxy S7. Only have a 5.8 inch screen, uh, 3,100 milliamp hour battery, which again is not like massive, but with the seven nanometer processors, that's going to get better battery life than the S7 and the S8 did. So, and the S9 probably as well. So, I think that's a solid phone. Uh, stepping up a little bit. Uh, to the you know eight ninety nine base price point is the the S ten and it looks great. I mean you know triple cameras. It has the uh, single hole punch on the front of the screen, but it's basically bezelless otherwise. It's got the curved edges. Eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, you get one hundred twenty eight gigabytes of storage and up five twelve and up to one terabyte, I believe. And you know the S ten plus has the you know steps up as the dual front. Uh, both of them have large batteries, 3,400 and 4,100. So, yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at those three, I, I, think there's, I think they're great. I think the designs are modern and sweet. They push themselves. It has the under-glass fingerprint scanner on the 10 and the 10 Plus. Um, it has the triple cameras on the back. Uh, I don't know, large batteries, SD card slot, IP68, uh, headphone jack. Class-leading screens, maybe HDR plus. I saw uh, a head-to-head picture of the Note 9 and the S10 Plus displaying the same image. And uh, this is kind of insane, but the S10 Plus looked considerably better. You saw that picture from, uh, you saw that that picture you're referring to is from the Ice Universe, right? Yeah, Cat Cat Lord. Our Cat Overlord, yeah. I saw that picture too. The HDR 10. Yeah, HDR 10 is crazy. Whereas the last three generations or so of Samsung screens didn't really change this much, this looks to be like a considerable move forward. So, yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I think they're focusing on the right things. If I'm a consumer, I mean, I, I looked at it, they'll give me $550 trade-in for my uh, Note 8, which is super generous. It's so I can, nuts. Get a, I can get an S10 Plus, uh, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes for $450 plus tax. And uh, That's kind of a I steal. Mean, I mean, if you're thinking about the trade-in, um, you know, I mean, you obviously have to consider what it was that you paid for what you're trading in. But if you look at the current valuation of your phone, you know, getting 550 bucks for it as part of a trade in for a brand new phone, where literally all you pretty much have to do is just mail it to Samsung, is pretty. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at it through the lens of even if you're paying full price, I would say I would argue that not for everyone, but for most consumers, if you're looking for a phone that will last for a long time, that has everything that you know for respect sampling you could almost possibly want and especially if you start comparing it to something like the apple lineup it's like the s10e has a higher resolution nicer screen dual cameras instead of a single twice as much default storage uh and it you know costs about the same and then you have the s10 and the s10 plus which cost less than the xs and the 10s and the 10s max and offer more of everything so I, and I think the design looks better. I, I'm a fan of the whole punch. I, the more I watch the videos, the more I watch people do things with it. It's, uh, again, a, a stepping stone to the true no-bezel hidden um, camera front end that we'll eventually have. But as a stepping stone, I prefer it to the notch. And that's not even taking into account the software improvements the Samsung's made with their One UI. So, yeah, overall, pretty, pretty impressive showing. And I think they're the flagships to beat this year right now 
Well, they certainly dropped uh, a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty impressive line of phones that's going to set a high bar for people to follow. Uh, for me, I think it, in some ways, it makes a lot more sense because, although you know, I have a beef with this, which I'll touch on later, but so like the littlest one is the cheapest one. And then, you know, as you go up in size, you go up in price. So at least from a geometric standpoint, that makes sense. As opposed to like the iPhone 10 line, which the 10R is bigger, but it's cheaper and it has a lower res screen, but it has better battery life and it's an LCD and not an AMOLED. So you should pay more to get the 10S and, you know, like, or I just, it, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So that, that, you know, at least, like I said, from a geometric standpoint, like you can get the little one, which is crazy to me that we're having this discussion that little is a 5.8 inch device. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's literally almost a six inch display and it's like, Oh, that's the little one, like whatever. But it is though. I mean, when you look, I have to give them a lot of credit. Like it is the size of the 10 S it is a small phone. Really? I mean, it, it really is. I think a lot of people would be very, very happy with the size of that phone is. My uh, my Droid Incredible with its three point seven inch display would tend to argue with you. Yeah, but I wonder if you actually compare the footprints of the phones; they may not be as different as you might think. It would be interesting to look at that. No, it's true. Uh, well, and that Droid Incredible was tiny as hell, but and I was coming from a BlackBerry Pearl at that time, so I was like, "Oh my god, three point seven inches of display—that's crazy! How can they do that?" Because it was, you know, I was coming from a physical keyboard device, which, which, you know, cut the the screen to body ratio in half. But now we're talking about like, oh yeah, five point eight inches. That's tiny. I don't even know if my eyes might bleed if I watch a movie on that. It's just it boggles my mind that that's the case. But they they've also, I think, put themselves in a very competitive pricing structure, which you've kind of already touched on. The S ten E is obviously competing with the ten R. Um, which, you know, the 10R is probably the iPhone that most people should buy because it's the cheaper one. And, you know, only display snobs like you and me might notice the difference between LCD and, and, you know, AMOLED. But the resolution, at least for me, in the hands-on with the 10R was definitely a deal breaker. Like I couldn't live with the, the weird 828p res, you know, which is effectively 720p. So, you know, and especially at that, I think that size is 6.1 inch display. So it's definitely noticeable. Um, but Samsung's not going to skimp on the display tech. I'm actually really interested to see the difference in the curved display versus the flat display on the S10e. Because I've always been a big fan of the active phones, which have that flat display, even though it's um, even though it's kind of a plastic substrate and it's not exactly uh, you know it's not exactly the same screen technology, but um, you know, I like the, I prefer the flat or even, you know, the two point or what they call it the 2d or the 2.5d curve on the ends, whatever the pixel three has, like that's th- those, that's my preference rather than the straight up curve, um, of the, of the S 10 and the S 10 plus, or even the S nine or the S nine plus. Um, so I think that Samsung really, I mean, I don't know how I feel about the whole punch. It's definitely better than a notch that much. I'll agree with you on. It is kind of obnoxious. I watched um, Jonathan Morrison's video from TLD Today, and um, he pointed out, like, if you're doing some scrolling on a predominantly white background, the whole punch is glaringly obvious. And it's not that it's so much more disruptive to your, your plane of vision as the notch, but it just, it literally looks like, oh, somebody dropped, you know, a blot of ink on my display. But I think, in a way, that's kind of to Samsung's credit, because... There is so much display there that 
it's immediately noticeable and you're like, oh, this looks like an aberration. And what you really think is I should be holding, you know, a full screen device with these super tiny bezels. Do you know off the top of your head, what's the, what's the top and bottom bezel measurement on any of the S10 devices? No, I, didn't I don't see know it. the actual millimeter measurement. I do know that the bottom bezel is slightly, very, very slightly taller than the XS still. Uh, but I believe the top is smaller and the sides are much, much smaller. So I think we're talking under three millimeters now, but don't quote me. I, I actually don't know exactly. But yeah, no, I, I think, as I said, I think the lineup is very, there's something for everyone. They're giving very generous trade-ins. So there's a, a lot of incentives to get people in. I think the pricing is not out of control for what you're getting in and of itself. They've bumped base storage and done a bunch of other things that kind of make it worth your while. Uh, I really like the new designs. They're modern. Cameras look on point, although I'm waiting to see some more tests there. And if you want to get fancy, they have like the ceramic bats, which look pretty freaking nice, the, the white and the black, which is something different than just the glass we've had all these years. The terabyte of storage and 12 gigabyte of RAM option, I have no Earth idea who on planet Earth needs that, but hey, if you are that guy who has money to burn and want the absolute top, I mean, it's a, you have a terabyte of storage plus an SD card slot. And 12 freaking gigabytes of RAM. I actually was watching some videos of the Exynos, uh, I think, 8 gig RAM bottle versus the iPhone XS today. So, that, you know, this has one of the opening apps or whatever. And the, the XS was losing. The, the Galaxy S10 was winning at all the everything, including games, which is something that Apple beats it on. Hmm. So, performance looks like it's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll, I'll about to see some more testing, but. There's just a lot to like, and then uh, we, we haven't talked about it. Let's just talk very briefly before we move on about the 5G. And I'll, I'm going to say the same thing you did. So the 5G version, they weren't letting anyone power on. You could only touch a dummy unit. It's basically the largest version at 6.7 inches as opposed to the 6.4 inch of the S10 Plus. By the way, the fact and that they wouldn't let you power it on tells you everything you need to know well, about this phone. So it has a 4,500 milliamp hour battery, so it's larger. 512 gigabytes of RAM, uh, of RAM, haha, of memory, I think 8 gigabytes of RAM. No SD card slot. Apparently, they had to ax that in order to, I don't know, <laughs> allow for the 5G connectivity. Uh, to your point, this is launched on Verizon exclusively at some point in the second quarter. It's going to come out on Kimo, which sounds like during the summer or later on in the year. They didn't even discuss pricing. I have to imagine it's going to be like $1,500. And this is, to, to me, this falls squarely into the I agree with you. I don't know why we're talking about 5G. There is no 5G network. There's a bunch of like AT&T you know, bullshit for which they're getting sued because it's not really 5G. Verizon and Kimo were talking about very limited rollouts. So... I don't know what I don't know why we're talking about 5G at this point. I know it's going to be a thing, and I know the S855 supports it. But to your point, this is a phone without a network. Like I don't understand why this exists right now. So, what's there's two things that are hilarious to me about this. One has nothing to do with the phone, but the the first part of it is is that you you know who's suing AT and D over their 5G branding. Uh, is the other te- I, would, I thought it was the other telecoms. It's actually Sprint. Yeah, yeah. Sprint is suing them. I actually heard um, Nilay Patel from The Verge on The Verge cast interview the attorney from Sprint, and he basically was saying that AT&T's disingenuous 5GE branding is going to hurt the actual Sprint customer who is going to choose Sprint because they have true 5G when it rolls out. And I'm like, bro, that's not what's hurting Sprint. 
I think AT&T should counter sin for for Sprint for uh, falsely claiming that they have a network at all. AT&T's lawyer is like, you don't even have like, a four G network. <laughs> no matter what G Sprint is pretending to have, uh, they should be they should be sued for that. But yeah, I mean, five G. I read a thing too saying that Apple they're holding off on five G till twenty twenty, and a lot of people are like, oh, see, Android's always ahead. And I'm like, I think Apple's fine. I have no. I, I would take this a step further. I'm the guy that loves tech. I'm the guy that's talking about spending almost two grand on a phone potentially. And in the same breath, I would say I have below zero interest on a five G phone. Like <laughs> Negative none. interest. And so there you go. The other uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is that I truly believe that the reason that they didn't let anybody power it on is because, and also the reason for the massive battery is. It probably the radios are probably built in for the 5G, the millimeter wave stuff, but uh, it's probably going to end up being a Thunderbolt situation where it's going to like you can force it to 4G, but by default, it'll probably be checking for 5G as part of the signal. And it's basically going to be like a signal check when you're in weak LTE signal area. And so it is going to destroy that battery in in less than a day. I'm I'm calling it's going to be a thunderbolt situation all over again. Mark my words. And I don't think it'll be quite as bad as the thunderbolt, but yes, to your point, 4G was shipped for at least a year, and I probably longer than that. And I think 5G. Why? I think the 4100 milliamp hour S10 Plus 4G is going to be plenty freaking fast for network speeds with, you know, four by four and all the things that it can do. And you're going to get great battery life because it's a very polished product at this point. And given the choice, I don't understand. I don't understand who's clamoring for 5G. And I, I, the, um, what are we doing? What, do, what am I doing that requires more than the 80 to 100 gigabytes down I'm getting on T-Mobile? Or even, fuck, I mean, 50 gig down. I'm getting that on T-Mobile routinely on 4G. What the hell do I need 5G for? Well, and the I think it was it was either December or January, but the um, Qualcomm Summit that they have in Hawaii, where they did a bunch of um, Snapdragon 855 demos, they had a bunch of 5G millimeter wave stuff, and it didn't work for shit. Like people were like, okay, if you hold your phone the right way and stand right here in this one spot where there's a tape X on the ground, you'll get like 700 megabit down. But anywhere else, or if you held it like sideways, it was like, oh, I lost signal. Not interested. Let me know when the market matures and we actually have actual networks. And I'm also going to wait to see if the telecoms are going to bend us over and try to charge us more for 5G because if they think they are, they can get fucked. 4G is more than enough for me. But I think Sam's, I think, excuse me, Apple's actually on point here, which is waiting till 2020. There's no danger of that. I don't think consumers actually want this yet. I don't think that the network, the networks don't even exist. I don't even know what we're talking about. So Yeah, there's no yeah, infrastructure at all. This will be a thing, but it's not a thing right now. So this is just, this is this is a purely a marketing exercise in Qualcomm trying to flex its muscle for something that I don't think anybody cares about. Well, and uh, the funny thing about that is, is, you know, obviously it's February right now as we record this. Uh, Apple won't release their new version. They'll have a version this year of the iPhone 10, and then next year's version of the iPhone 10 is probably going to be the one that you've already touched on is going to support 5G. And the rumor is also, which we we talked about, I texted you earlier today, that they'll, they're probably also moving to a 5 nanometer process with their Apple A-series chips, which is insanity to me. 
but that'll probably make some of the offsetting power utilization of 5G networks um, a little bit less of a hit because a smaller process will be more energy efficient uh, usage of that 5G and the battery. So um, yeah, I think you're right. I think if if you really were going to wait for the market to mature, um, 2020 is probably where the smart money's at and it ain't going to be in Q1 or Q2 either. So yeah, this is a... This is just a way for them to try to charge you a lot of money for something you're not going to put a lot of value on, and people will buy it, I suppose. But yeah, I don't, I don't get it. So there you go. Anything else we missed, or anything else you want to talk about from the Samsung event before we take a short break and then come back and talk about Mobile World Congress uh, 2019? No, I think again it was a very strong showing by Samsung. Though this is a strong Samsung year, they, they made a lot, of, they showed a lot of stuff. It was a broad showing. I mean, four phones plus the fold, and. Uh, it, you know, they kind of already sucked the air out of the room a little bit for the other OEMs, and it, it definitely we're going to touch on some of the others, but it's a pretty complete lineup, uh, and with their aggressive marketing and aggressive deals that are floating around out there, uh, I know the market's shrinking for smartphones, but I still think they'll Samsung will probably have a pretty good year at least in the grand scheme of market share. I think they'll do pretty well with the S10. Good deal. So, last question. Who should buy the S10e and who should buy the S10 regular? I think they probably most people should buy the S10e if if you're if you're looking for a phone that has just you know really good cameras that's smaller in size you know want to spend a fortune that's where the money's at uh, it supports all the carriers it, it's it's great in that regard and. Um, you know, if you're someone that wants to step up a little bit, you want to try the triple cameras, you want a bigger form factor and a little bigger battery, uh, you step up to the S10. And, and then for the really, you know, the S10 Plus, the 4100 mAh battery is awesome. I mean, I think I've seen some initial testing, but I think that thing's going to be a beast. Like, you should be able to get a full day relatively easily. So for people that are, maybe watch a lot of media, obviously, because you want a bigger screen or play a lot of games or, or uh, maybe do things that are processor intensive, need a lot of battery, the S10 Plus is great um it's it just i think it's a phone that you can trust and will be updated for the next couple of years and it's a great battery life great cameras i don't know it just seems really, really well rounded to me good deal and if you were choosing for yourself be honest you're buying the one terabyte version aren't you no it's actually quite funny like when i really was looking at it i hopped on the table i'm still deciding what i'm doing i'm trying to talk myself out of not buying a fold but when i was looking at the <laughs> s10 plus um I was actually going to buy the 128 gigabyte, and I was just deciding on the color between the blue or the black. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the white. I thought about buying the ceramics, but step up to 512 gigabyte. And the reality is, for me, I don't. 100, you know, 128 gigabytes of memory plus I have a 128 gigabyte SD card that I'm not even close to scratching the surface of. That would be more than enough. Anything else seems like ridiculous overkill to me. I don't keep my phones long enough where. Having 512 gigabytes, or I guess exceeding the 128 plus SD cards thing that I'm concerned with. So now when I was looking at it, I was actually looking at the 128 gig because uh, for me, it might. Um, and with an SD card slot, I, I don't really see a scenario where I would exceed or need more than. Okay, you're a damn liar. You're buying the, ten, the one terabyte so you can get the 12 gig of RAM. The, this is another thing to laugh. Probably years ago, yeah, it's definitely the best. And, um, now, though, I go. Yeah, I don't know. 8 gigabyte RAM seems like the best of me. <laughs> I, I, I feel comfortable saying I think that would last, you know, a year, year and a half worth of software, at least a year, year and a half to buy the next phone. So, uh, 
Well, that's why God gave you two, so you could sell one for a phone. Exactly. Redundancy. Good times. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk about everything that we like from Mobile World Congress 2019 in Barcelona. Excellent. You're talking about something you don't like? Because I'm too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, excellent. Good. 